Hello, my lovies. So, I want to welcome you to episode two of a God and a Graham podcast. I was trying to hold out (laughs) with doing more episodes since my pilot one, but you guys have demanded um, things from me for which I am extremely grateful for. So here I am at your request, putting out more podcast content for you. Um, I am Debbie L. London, your generational curse breaker your healer, your sister, your friend in your head. I am here to serve you and to help you overcome um, the obstacles in your life so that you can be free and healed and whole. Um, If this is your first time listening to me, I encourage you to pick up my book, Residue, Surviving and Overcoming the Stains of Generational Curses and Soul Ties, especially if you are here to get started on your journey of healing from generational trauma. I also have another book, Your Facade is Showing, a divorcee's perspective on it, on, um, what is my book called? <laughs> Your facade is showing a divorcee's perspective on accepting red flags the first time. Um, for those who want like a transparent uh, laugh and enjoyable read on relationship stuff. So we're all about healing here. Today's episode is going to cover how spirituality saved my life. Um, This is extremely important to my journey because people ask, well, how did you get over the things from your past? How did you like come to terms? How did you make peace with the decisions that you had to make? And the answer is always my spirituality. Um, I mentioned this in one of my TikTok videos and all the links to my different profiles will be in the description of this podcast when you get done listening so that you can follow me and uh, keep track of me on my different platforms. But in one of my TikTok videos, someone asked me, how did you even know that you were different? And I told them when I was four years old, I already was highly intuitive. I already knew that something was not right in my family. I already knew that I was different and I can't even really give a real detailed explanation because it was just a matter of the spirit. It was a matter of the heart and it was really a God thing. And that is truly the truth. I always knew that I was not like the rest of my family members and I always felt very much out of place being around them because I was not like them and they knew I was not like them which is why they gave me so much hell um growing up and I grew up you know I live in Atlanta Georgia I've lived here my entire life outside of when I went to college in Raleigh North Carolina um for undergrad at a small HBCU whoop whoop Shaw University but I've always lived in the South, and many of us who grew up in the South, we grew up what? Southern Baptist, (laughs) and I am no exception from that. And the difficulty I had with growing up Southern Baptist 
is that I went to church every Sunday. We went to Bible study every Wednesday and church was a huge part of my life. And I could not wrap my fucking mind around going to church so fucking much only to come home and watch the very people in my household pushing us to go to church, beating their wife, molesting slash fondling their daughter and carrying on an incestuous relationship with them watching the verbal abuse being verbally abused and emotionally abused myself I could not wrap my mind around that and even as a young child I was very conflicted about church and I know some people like well don't let that you know affect how you feel about God and yada 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 and it doesn't but the religion is not something that I personally align with I'm not saying that it's a problem but especially being a black woman it's hard for me at this stage in my life to even be in line with Christianity um, because things have been distorted and tampered with, especially as it concerns my people. It was used as a means of control and to enslave them. We weren't allowed to read and write, but we were allowed to learn the Bible as, you know, enslaved people. So it's never set right with me. And that same religious control transferred into a lot of black households. And I'm not saying that it's just solely this with black people. I'm just giving my own experiences as a black woman um, because I've heard from other followers of mine that they grew up in ridiculously rigid households that were not black. So but just going off of my experience with that, um, it just never set right with me being in an environment where nobody is practicing what they preach and they wanted to cherry pick um, parts of the Bible, parts of church just to control. And, you know, I'm big on parenting, healthy parenting styles um, as it relates to ending generational trauma and I grew up around unhealthy parenting styles and that was through religion being one of the avenues um, that made growing up unbearable. Like the whole, oh, you got to honor your mother and father. But it also says parents don't provoke your child (laughs) as well. And it was do as I say, not as I do. Children are to be seen and not heard. And we know all the other bullshit, you know, that has been said throughout our lives so that us tiny humans as children, you know, wouldn't have any sort of say or any sort of identity you know, we, we just merely existed, even though we didn't ask to be here um, in the first place, you know, and I understand that adults are to be respected, but I feel that kids deserve respect as well. But you can find out more about that on my YouTube channel and in my ending generational trauma through parenting series. But anyhow, in growing up Southern Baptist and in seeing, you know, my grandfather, he was a deacon of the church. And my grandmother was a deaconess and they were extremely active. But to have to come home and to see him talk to my grandmother and put his hands on her in the way that he did, 
it never made sense to me for him to talk down to me. Um, and not just me, but all of his kids, even though they were adults. It was just like, you're one way at church, but a demon at home. How does this work? How does this even make sense? Like you, you say you serve God, but you're a, you're a whole asshole. You're you're really one of the most abusive people that I know, and you've ruined so many people people's lives. And it just never set right with me. Um, but I would always prayer has always been an important part of my life, though. Because my focus will always be on relationship over religion. And this is not to knock anyone that is Christian or if you're Muslim or Jewish, whatever your background is, it doesn't matter. It's about the relationship with God, Yahweh, you know, source, the higher one, whatever, whatever resonates with you. It's about the relationship. As long as it's not anything rooted in darkness, as long as your relationship and your connection to God is solid, that's all that matters. And that's what I had to start working on. Um, definitely in my teens. But when I went off to college and I went off to college in an effort to escape my family, I didn't want them to be able to reach me easily um, via a drive. So that's how I ended up in North Carolina. Cause I didn't want anybody popping up on me. Cause I just knew if I didn't get away, I would end up stuck in the cycle of all of my other family members, you know, being kind of tethered to, um, the toxicity. And I, and I was like, I have to get away so that I can start to stand on my own two feet and not depend on them and remain caged to the chaos. And, um, in college, I was in a relationship, and I hate to bring this up because it was so long ago. Sorry, ex-boyfriend from college. But one thing I talk about in my book, Residue, was a soul tie that um, I got in college. And it was, it it scarred me spiritually at that time because it, was my first time actually dealing with negative spiritual energy and soul ties are very, very real. If you're messing around with somebody that you're not supposed to be messing around with because you don't know what spiritual baggage they have, you can invite that into your life through spiritual transference. People talk about STDs, you know, but we talk about spiritually transmitted demons. It is a very real thing. And I was already just in a state of brokenness. Um, as a teen and as a young adult, I was already super broken and susceptible to so much spiritually the, in ways I didn't understand and had a lot of traumatic experiences where I wasn't sleeping at night um, because I knew the moment that night fell, you know, I was about to have s- s- many spiritual attacks, but I go into all those details in the book Residue. But I remember calling on my grandmother somebody who wakes up first thing in the morning reading her bible um watching what is his name Kenneth Hagee or Kenneth Hagen whoever it was back in the day on TBN and doing the same routine you know religious stuff reading 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 so I was like well surely I can call my grandma and she'll pray for me and I called my grandma I was like look this was going on this was happening I can't sleep I'm getting attacked 
blah, 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 blah. And she told me, I don't know what you've gotten yourself into. You need to put some pennies at your door and some sulfur in your shoes. And she completely turned her back on me. And that's when I really had the aha moment that religion is not for me. I had that moment in college because I'm like, wait a minute. Again, these are people that go to church constantly that are always sitting in somebody's pew. But when things get real, because the Bible does say we wrestle not against flesh, but among principalities and so forth and so on. And as soon as that type of thing truly comes to the surface, y'all running. You have nothing for me. You have no sound advice for me. You have nothing to assist me on that journey. So it's like, I don't know. What in, what what exactly is religion doing for me? And from there, I started um, pulling away from religion and focusing more so on my one-on-one relationship with God. And then fast forward to after I graduated from college, then I met my ex-husband. And then we had a beauty supply store. We had a business and that business failed, but we were also going through other things. We had miscarried um, a baby at 20 weeks and all these other things happened. So we were just so fragile and so devastated. Um, And the church we were going to is a mega church down here in Atlanta. And, you know, we're tithing, we're doing all this stuff, the things we're supposed to do all the time. And when we need it, we didn't even, it's not even like we were asking for money. We just wanted support, some people to talk to and to lean on, to push us through, to pray for us while we got through this difficult time. And there was no one to be found. There was one lady, but she only talked to us one time and, you know, just seeking support was like a burden to them, but they wanted your money. They wanted your time. You know, they wanted you to commit to being a part of whatever, um, church, uh, boards and ministries. But when it came down, excuse me, to serving the people who were in need, even if it was just through emotional support and just praying for them, nowhere to be found. And then from there, Um, we ended up like, well, maybe we need to go to a smaller church because we craved that sense of community. Um, that ended up being worse. It ended up being like a cult kind of church. So that only lasted a few months. Uh, cause again, everybody's just trying to brainwash you. And I was like, uh, 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 and after the little cult church, I have never been back to church since. And for me, it has been the best decision of my life. And I do not knock anybody that goes to church because everybody receives differently. Everybody gets what they need in a different way. And I respect that. I'm just sharing what works for me. And church is not it. And it will never be it. Um, Because that one-on-one relationship and that nurturing, um, just that organic connection is what has helped me more than anything but I just wanted to give you a quick kind of timeline on okay this is what happened in childhood this these are the markers of what made me completely do away with church now 
what I started doing as I was healing from my lifestyle, not my lifestyle, but the things that happened in my life, um, I would be journaling. Prayer journaling became a huge part of my healing process because I'm a writer um, naturally. So writing to God and journaling to him helped free my spirit up a lot because I talk to God about any and everything. I have whatever conversations. It doesn't matter what it's about. It could be about guy stuff. It could be about sex. It could be about what frustrated me today. Like I talk to God like one of my girls. You know, that's how close-knit the relationship is at this point. And I feel like that's how it should be. And the whole come as you are, that's really what it means. Just be yourself. God already knows who you are anyway. So there's no point in hiding and trying to be super eloquent and poised and everything else all the time. Just be who you are. Come as you are and relax. But we've been, and that's another thing I don't like about religion. It just teaches fear. You got to fear, you got to be terrified, you got to be afraid, you got to be scared and, you know, you got to be this way. You got to have a tie and you got to be, you know, standing up straight, shoulders back. No, you can just come exactly as you are in the manner that you are. And this is why I have this podcast. This is why it's called God and a Gram because my awakening, my real serious awakening came um, last year. When um, I decided to smoke weed with my cousin and I don't even do it anymore, but because I don't need to, because I've always been intuitive my entire life. But when we did this together last summer, because we were in a safe space, it totally opened my eyes in a different way. And I have not been the same since as far as my level of clarity, um, any doubts in myself that I've ever had, any ways that I've been unsure of who I am or just a lot of baggage from the past, it fell away. But then I started doing even heavier pruning and inner work on myself from that awakening period. Like I literally had an experience where I felt what it was like just to be consumed with love. Because a lot of times, like, we'll judge ourselves and we'll pick ourselves apart, you know, or our mind will be filled with so much negativity. And through that experience of me smoking weed, I was like, oh, wow, life can be this peaceful. This is what it feels like to not have negativity. This is what it feels like to, you know, completely be okay with who you are. And after I had that experience, um... I prayed and I said, God, you know, I, I want to be able to be this spiritually sensitive without smoking weed. And that prayer was answered. Like I've always, again, I've always been intuitive, but I will always doubt myself. Like, oh, did I hear that? No, that was, that was me. I'm tripping. You know, it would always be. But now, like, I don't question myself. If I have a message for someone, um, I, I don't say, God, do you want me to tell them that? I already know. I'm like, all right, let me talk to them about whatever it is. But I got a little too spiritually sensitive 
too spiritually sensitive to where I could feel intentions and things like that. And I'm like, wait a minute, can we dial? Can we put the antenna down just a little bit? Because it's overwhelming, especially being an empath when you could feel everything. You know, you could feel the people around you. You know, I was like, let's dial that back just a little bit because I need to be able to function in my human mind and body um, because it can bog you down to be able to feel the emotions of others continuously. Excuse me. I'm so sorry, guys. But in having that serious spiritual awakening last year, the heavy, serious pruning begun in my life. But just to circle back really quick, when I had postpartum depression with my son, and this is, again, something I talk about in the book Residue, I started peeling back all of the layers in my life through journaling and trying to figure out why I was the way I was. And then that started answering my questions because, you know, when we have a lot of trauma in our lives, we don't realize it, but a lot of those memories get suppressed either unintentionally or intentionally. They get buried very deep to the point where you don't even remember that it happened or your mind just completely blacks out because it's too much. It's too traumatic, you know? to even deal with and um things started coming back up the more I journaled the more I talked through it the more I figured it out I realized why I never mesh with certain family members and like I said in one of my YouTube videos this is why I let kids I'm not tripping about them speaking to people I'm not tripping about you know the respect, like, oh, you need to speak when you enter a room. Because kids know. Kids know when people aren't for them, you know, or at least allow them to get to know that. And this is why, you know, I was, my granddad, this man was having an incestuous relationship with my mom, his daughter. And it was always, you got to respect him. You got to respect him. And I'm like, I see this motherfucker doing so much foul shit because, you know, we live with them. But people are like, you got to respect him. You need to respect him. You disrespectful. You this, you that. But whole time, he's doing the most grotesque crap ever. This is why people need to respect children of having a mind of their own. Even if a child isn't able to articulate what it is they're feeling, let them get their intuition together and trust themselves. So a part of me journaling from the time I had postpartum depression with my son and really getting that one-on-one connection with God was learning who I was and trusting myself. And that was really propelled last year with my, um, last summer with my awakening when I smoke weed. And from there, it's like, okay, we spent years kind of unpacking why you're so angry, why you feel the way you do, pulling up these, you know, suppressed memories. Now we got to do something about it. And opening my eyes spiritually in that way, um, people can, you know, you'll call it your third eye, whatever you want to say. But, you know, having the wool removed from my eyes spiritually last year it then forced me to make very difficult decisions such as cutting off my entire family. And it went in stages. And when I look back on how everything has gone with that, it is mind blowing to me because God is so amazing. He literally will lay out the path and it's like, okay, do this. And then you do that. 
and then you do something else, you know, and as you're moving forward on the path and then you realize, dang, that's why God had me do X, Y, and Z because he knew this was about to happen. And I had to do those steps to be prepared for this one. And that's how the journey has been. And I'm finally at a place of peace and stability um, spiritually with it. Cause it was such heavy pruning. It was, it was exhausting, you know, healing is not for the faint of heart. You got to make a decision. That's why so many people stay the same because it's hard. It is hard to get your stuff together. It is hard to make the decision and say, "Uh uh-uh, this ends with me no more. It is hard to say, I'm going to face all the BS that I've gone through head on as painful as it is I'm gonna look in that mirror and I'm gonna face it I'm gonna let this stuff from the past come up so that I can uproot it completely that is no easy task it is not easy but baby when I tell you it is worth it I am chilling right now I'm in so much peace and that's not saying that the healing journey is over because I constantly have maintenance stuff to do I constantly have to you know Like I say, I got to hit them weeds with Roundup. You know, the lawn is looking very beautiful and lush and green. It's beautiful. But, you know, we got a weed popping up here and there. Why? Because there are levels to healing with stuff that you already felt like you dealt with. You always have to, you know, deal with another aspect of it all the time. And that's how the healing journey goes. But spirituality helped me make those tough decisions. I I, I would be crying. I just... I'm going to have to break this up into a series, you know, just so I'm not holding you guys forever and ever. But man, when I think about just the process of the heavy lifting that I had to do in the past year with really getting rid of generational trauma in my life at its root, I mean, my God, it was painful. I would literally be sobbing for days and then suddenly have that peace that surpasses all understanding wash over me. Like, I'm like, man, I should have been depressed. I should have off myself. But then that peace would come and it would be as if it never happened. And not like me being in denial or not dealing with it. It would just be because I was so connected to God spiritually that he gave me what I needed to endure so much so that it seemed unnatural that my emotions would be so at peace after the fact, you know, because I'm talking about, I cut off my mama, my brother, every uncle, every cousin. The only family member I have by blood that I deal with is one person. And that is my cousin who I live with currently. We live together. We raise our children together in our big house and that's it. And we both have cut off our entire family for the same reasons the whole family, all of them, no exceptions for the same reason, because somebody got to step up. And I do want to, I do want to mention that with me and my cousin, we were the ones looked at as the trouble, you know, troublesome ones, the problem kids, ain't gonna be shit girls, even when we weren't even doing anything. And man, that opens up the door to other things as well. But colorism was an issue in my family. And I talk about that in my book, Residue. Colorism was a huge issue. I don't even consider myself light-skinned. None of this crap even matters. But my cousin and I, or for whatever reason, because we're light-skinned, according to whoever, you know, we were always told that we were hoes, that we were never, we were always going to be on the street. And, you know, guys are going to get us and all this other stuff, you know. But we're doing 
the best out of everybody in our family at 29 and 33. So for those of you who've had family members constantly talking down to you since you were a kid telling you that you ain't going to be nothing and, you know, just trying to break you down, break your spirit and dim your light, man. I'm telling you, it's because they can see, just like they say about saying the enemy, how he can see things in you that you can't see in yourself. That's all it is. Our family could see our light since we were little girls. And since they didn't have a light, what did they want to do? Make sure that they wanted to bring us down to their level. They wanted to break us down in any way that they possibly could. But they weren't successful in doing that. And when we look back in hindsight, I'm so grateful that we didn't succumb to them trying to break us down. Because the whole time they knew we weren't like them. We just didn't know. We were just confused and thought we were crazy for not feeling like we belonged in that family. But, um, yeah, man, this journey has been very wild. So I want to wrap up this particular episode because I have to figure out how to break this down into a series to assist. You know, I just wanted to give the overall snapshot of how spirituality has healed me. And maybe I can just make this part one since this is the overview. But start with a connection. Start talking to God, source, higher power, universe, creator, whatever floats your boat. Just start talking. Be it journaling. Be it sitting quietly be actually having a conversation and talking out loud let's just start at the very basics know that it is a safe space do it in whatever form you need to begin the relationship and if you don't know how say god i don't know how i don't even know where to begin in this journey with you i don't even know where to start with you I have no idea, but I want a relationship. I want to nurture it and buckle up. It ain't going to be easy. I'm not going to sell you fairy tales and glitter and Skittles, but it's going to be worth it. It is going to be so worth it. So start, establish a relationship today. I encourage you. I would not be where I am right now if it was not for God. And that's period. I would not be able to help y'all and give y'all the content that I do if it weren't for God. Like I've said before, this is my calling to help people heal from generational trauma in a very real and transparent way. I'm not going to give you fluff ever, but all praise and honor is to God and also my spirit guides as well. But I think I'm probably going to talk about that on the next episode because we already at 30 minutes and I don't want to hold y'all forever and ever. So that's y'all homework. Begin a relationship with God. And catch me for part two. And I'm start digging into other things that um, I've done spiritually to be free and to live a life of peace because I'm truly living a very peaceful life honestly 
Um, it just took a lot of heavy pruning, uprooting, unlearning it and undoing to get here. I literally had to clear the entire slate and start anew and create my own path, not based on anything I was taught or what I knew previously, but just starting fresh and clearing it out. I hope that you have enjoyed this. See me for part two. It's going to be amazing. And I hope that this helps. See y'all later, guys. Love you.